they said that they were sticking tranquilizers, sticking me with tranquilizers, and it wasn't doing anything. Like I was just like I was, my brain was in like survival mode, right? So I was just doing everything. Like I, I didn't know what was happening, and I yeah. don't remember any of it. But, sure. But what when I woke up the next time, I was like tied to the bed, and I had these like boxing glove things on my hands, and my head was all wrapped up, and the breathing tube was out, and everything, and I was like. What is, I was so confused, right? And then I- I can't even imagine, one yeah. Of the, one of the trainers was there and he's like, like he, the look on his face, I was like, whoa. And he's like, Do you, he's like, how you feeling? And I was like, can I still play? And he was like, the game's over, bud. Like that game has been over for two days. You've been in a coma for two days. Welcome to the Shaw Strength Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Shaw, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, Mr. Derek Wolf, Super Bowl champion, so many other things, avid hunter, yeah. a family man. You, you've you got so much stuff going on, man, and, and uh, actually my training partner too, which is fun going into all the MMA stuff. So I feel like we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about, man. Yeah, How we, you doing, brother? We do. I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Um, thanks for having me to the gym, dude, because like I've been seeing all the cool stuff that you post on, on your Instagram. And I'm like, man, I would love to go in there and, and do some of that stuff with him because I was, I've always been interested in strongman stuff just because it was like one of those, it was always on ESPN when I was a kid. Right. So I'd be like sitting there watching ESPN and strongman would come on. And I was like, Oh, that's incredible. It's like superhumans, Right. And to, to get to hang out with you and, and see what that's like and what your world's like. It's so cool to me. Um, you know, and I really wanted to, before we get started, I want to talk about like how important it is for me, you know, with the whole, the grappling and all that stuff, what that's done for me, because I struggled coming out of like when I retired, my mental health was like the first year was all right because I was like ready to be done. But then when I started missing it, I was like, so what happened was I went to the first game this year mm-hmm. and they had me like wave the flag and plan it. And like, just hearing the roar of the crowd again, yeah. like it made me really miss the physicality oh, of the game, right? Like that. Dude, I can't imagine what that's like. I mean, that yeah. that energy from that type of crowd is insane. Man, and it, most it, most people will never experience something like that in their life. No, and it's it's wild. It's like a wild kind of it's almost like a drug kind of where you just kind of get addicted to it. And it's not even like the attention. It's the it's that feeling and that energy. And like you said, like that energy is what you feel. But what I missed most, what I found myself missing most was like the physicality, like being physical and like, you know, wrestling with somebody like hand to hand combat type of thing, you know? And, uh, it's crazy. Cause Lauren Landau who introduced us was like, Hey man, like, I know you're struggling and going through some stuff right now. Yeah, he's like, um, I think I know what you need. And dude, it's been my, like, I can't tell you how much it's helped me like get through that, you know, get, get through, like really, really press through that. Like, and, and not, cause I was start. I, I don't really feel sorry for myself. Yeah, that's never been like a, something that I do, but I caught myself doing that. You know, I was like, "Oh, poor me, poor like, what do you mean, poor me? Like, I have literally everything I could ever dream of, but I'm still sitting here. Why am I depressed? Right? Yeah, it's because we talked about this. As men, we need some kind of challenge, a physical challenge, right? And it's like every day going in there, I'm literally wrestling with the strongest man on earth. So it's like, that is a challenge in itself just to like not get hurt. Yeah. It's, well, this is the thing is that, that outlet 
And I, I think that, that our paths crossed at a perfect time, a perfect time for you, but also a perfect time for me. Right. And, and, you know, going into this, it's just simply not easy to find somebody your size with your athletic ability, your speed, your strength, you know how to move, you know how to hand fight, you know all of these different things that you've developed through your entire career, right? Which we can talk a lot more about, but it's uh, it's such an asset to me, right? And then it, then it is this competitive thing. And, and I, you know, walking away from strongman, I didn't really have that downtime and I wasn't really sure how it was gonna be Right. Because, you know, I came off the the high of competing in August was the strongest man on earth contest here that we put on. And it was like this crazy emotional roller coaster going in where I had announced it was my last contest and everybody came out. And then you have this like crazy awesome moment holding the trophy, talking to the crowd, so much love and emotion and everything. And then it's coming down off of that. And then I jumped right into the the MMA training. And, you know, it's an opportunity that got presented kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, I did not know that was happening (laughs) until after. And it's such an off-the-wall thing. But I thought to myself, look, I can have that outlet. And also the conditioning level is going to be good. Because, I, you know, I need something else to push towards. Mm -hmm. So I can condition. I can learn something new. My brain can be occupied. I can be challenged in a whole new way. And it, it hopefully will help with this transition where I'm not actively competing in strongman. And, yeah. and so I haven't, I haven't really got to that point, but you know, and we can talk more about that, you know, from a, from being a high level athlete, a very high at the top level in anything going from that. And then, and then changing, you change your path. And it's like, man, it's, the, it's that like the world of the crowd of the, the competition, just these physical aspects that you love. Right. And you look forward to, and, you know, especially, as as a man it's just this physical challenge that that comes into your life and you're like man i love that yeah like i just love to feel somebody else and and to compete and you know it's for me i love being competitive just in general yeah it's just a a thing that like since i was a kid i loved it loved it you know so (laughs) so for you to come in like you've helped me in in more ways than you probably realize as well so it's it's one of these really really cool like back and forth type of things. And, you know, I mean, I know we put out a few clips and, and that type of thing of, of some of the training, but people I think are astonished at like two big guys just going at it. It's crazy, man. Well, like, somebody, somebody uh, commented on the picture, the video we just posted. They said, uh, what kind of universal soldier are you guys creating? Right. Cause you're literally <laughs> taking, I mean, th- th- dude, you are like a, a special kind of human. Like to be that big and as mobile as you actually are, like it, it actually shocks me sometimes that I'm like, oh, he he actually stopped that. Like I'm I'm impressed by how you pick up on things and move and the way your footwork and you pick up on uh like little little hand fighting things, right? Like the pummeling, mm-hmm. you picked up on that so quick and it came so natural to you, yeah. That I was like, dude, if he like when he really unleashes his strength on somebody and his ability, it's gonna be a problem. And, you know, I'm just like, I'm super excited to be a part of it because it's so much fun. Like we're having Ooh, yeah. fun and the competition that we have going with each other in there. It's like, it, there's no ego involved, right? No, no. It's no. like, it's like, if I don't know how to, if I don't, if you don't know how to get out of something, I'm not going to tell you the wrong way. I like, we stopped in the middle of something yesterday. And I was like, Hey, how do we, what do we do here? Like, yes. Yep. Cause neither one of us know. No, it's just learn. You yeah. learn. Right. But being, I think that's. 
I think that's an attribute to any any high level athlete. A lot of the high level guys that I've been around that are that are really elite, they're willing to learn and be coached. Yep. Right. Like, and, and being coached is, is actually a good thing. It's not, you don't walk in with an ego. I, I feel like a lot of times that's kind of the, the guys that are on that lower level that, that they're like, Hey, you know what? You can't tell me what to do. I know it, you know, I'm, and I, and I'm not going to listen to what you're saying. It, it, you know, that's, that's what's neat, I think. And, you know, finding, like I said, that's where you've helped me out more, like I said, more than you've realized, because having somebody that's willing to go through the process with me, and help me learn, but also give me these different looks that I have to kind of problem solve because you have enough skill coming into it where, you know, and we haven't really talked any about your background at all, but like you're walking into it, not just playing football. You've done a lot of other stuff as well. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's kind of like that, that background as well, which is huge. So maybe give like somebody that doesn't know you, like, give me your, like, you know, childhood yeah, growing up, quick, what were you into sports? What challenged you? Yeah. That type of stuff. All right. So, um, some Derek Wolf from, from Ohio. So just South of Youngstown and, um, had a pretty rough childhood, um, bounced around a lot. My mom was, uh, struggled with addiction. Um, didn't know my father, my stepfather was abusive. So football came natural for me. Right. So I started playing football when I was seven and that the physicality of the game was just like, I loved it, you know? So I started playing football really young and I started hunting when I was really young. So those two things were like, those are my getaway. That's how I got, I could separate myself from what was going on at home. Right. So transition, I play, I went to seven different elementary schools. Right. So I was bouncing around a lot. And then when I was uh, 14, I was living on my own and bouncing or like, like I said, even before that I was living on couches pretty much like whatever friend would have me, I would just stay there. And I was a big kid, so feeding me was, like, not easy, you know? Right, yeah, I'm so, sure. So, you know, just, like, any – I had – it takes a, a, a pack to raise, you know, somebody like like me, you know? And I'm a – I was a wild kid anyways, couldn't – didn't want to be told what to do ever. So, you know, I, I just was in and out of places, and then I finally was able to, to lock in on this farm. They took me in, taught me how to work hard, taught me discipline, um, made me wrestle, and that was the greatest thing I've ever done. Um, for myself as a football player and as a, like a person, you know, for my character, cause there's no one to blame when something goes wrong out there on the mat. It's just you and then this other guy and you're wrestling each other. And it's like, if you lose, it's on you. Right. So that taught me this whole different, I, I did not want to wrestle. I just didn't want to do it because I thought it was going to be too hard. You know, I was like, oh, these guys have been wrestling since they were kids and this and that. What, but, what age did you start that? Uh, I didn't start till my sophomore year of high school. So you're already in high school. Yeah, so wow. I was already in high school. And these guys have been doing it since like a walk. Yeah. You know? They start They start young. Yeah, really especially young. in Ohio, man. It was, yeah. uh, you know, my high school. We would go, our actual our wrestling team, we would go in and beat our basketball team. Wow. In basketball. Like, we would beat them, you know. I could dunk a basketball from when I was like 13, 14 years old. See, so that's it was awesome. like, yeah. you know, a basketball coach is like, why don't you play basketball? I'm like, I just... I I was too aggressive for basketball. I was too sure. aggressive. Like I I didn't understand why this is a foul. Why is that a foul? Yeah. Like I just like I would play street ball all the time, and we don't call fouls out there. You know. Sure. What I mean? But like, <laughs> you know, when it came to when it came to like being physical and like the learning how to do it, and the whole the other aspect of football to wrestling is that like you have to be in such great conditioning. Like your conditioning has to be on a whole another level, because yeah, everybody can drill and go go hard for 30 seconds but to go for two minutes straight and then the period like there's no rest really in between periods it's just like you know you might end up wrestling for nine minutes and if you're exhausted 
You could do that maybe yeah. two or three times in that, that day at that tournament, you know? So it was like this whole nother level of body control. And it took my football game to a whole nother level. Like just learning how to like leverage against double teams and stuff, you know, and how to get out of sticky situations That's and being flexible in those, in those little situations. You see how like, I just understand body control, Absolutely, right? And that yes, all is yeah. coming. That's like all coming from wrestling. Like, um, I use some of my football knowledge, but most of my football stuff, like creating angles on people and pass rushing, striking and wrestling were the two biggest helps with that, right? So that's the other thing. I Once I got to the NFL, so I went to Cincinnati, the University of Cincinnati, um, lived with the Kelseys. Um, it, uh, I mean, we had an unbelievable time. Obviously, we've got um, four Super Bowls, and our quarterback lived with us too. He's got two Grey Cups up in Canada. So our house was pretty Dude, that's, successful. That's, and you guys all lived together. And we were idiots. <laughs> <laughs> like, we had no business. Yeah. You know, and no, everybody was like, these guys are going to screw this up for sure. 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 But we, you know, <laughs> it worked out for us. And that, you know, now Tra we got, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'll make it to the hall of fame, but I know Travis and Jason both will be in the hall of fame. And I'm pretty sure Zach Calaris, who's up in Canada, I'm pretty sure he'll make the hall of the Canadian football hall of fame as well. So Dude, that's, that's so crazy. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, it was just like this crazy, you know, we competed with each other too, you know, like, but it was a healthy competition. Uh, like you would catch Travis and I, you know, we might, we'd have a couple beers and then go down to the basement and like compete in footwork drills and stuff. Like, what? Just, just random, like just random. stupid meathead stuff, you know, yeah, like, yeah, or yeah. we'd break into the weight room on a, on a Saturday night, you know, like, See, that's, go in there that's what I'm talking about, man. That's you know, stuff yeah, like that. You yeah. know, it was like, uh, cause, cause we really, we, we wanted more for our lives, right? Like we wanted yeah. more. It wasn't just, this wasn't where we wanted to end. Yeah. We wanted to get to so the were next you, level. You'd feel like you were all kind of pushing each other. Yeah. We pushed each other and made each other better and, and encouraged each other and lifted each other up. You know, cause yeah. some days are bad, you know, some days suck. Some days you're getting beat, you know, it's just the way yeah. it goes. So when you have somebody there to lift you up and, and, you know, kind of, I, the best way to put it would be like, okay, if I'm having a bad day, I know that he's going to pick me up, you know, big time. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, and I got to be that same guy for him on the days where he's down. So that was sure. the way it was with that whole team. Honestly, you know, yeah. we just picked each other because we were a bunch of throwaways pretty much at Cincinnati, you know, nobody really wanted us, you know, we we're just a bunch of throwaways and it ended up being some of the best to ever do it, you know, sure. which is, which is incredible, you know? So then I ended up, uh, I ended up getting drafted to the to the Denver, Denver Broncos in 2012. I was their I was their first pick in that draft, and I was a Big East Defensive Player of the Year. Um, strong, I actually I have my own strong man thing there because I was the strongest kid in college football. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I got that award just based on numbers, you know, and which I wasn't like trying to do that. It just like kind of worked out. Yeah, and I loved the the weight room is like my sanctuary. That's like my church, you know. So Absolutely. I just loved being in there. Yeah. And pushing myself and getting stronger and because you could see the gains, right? Like those numbers don't lie, you know, yeah. like if I, one, one week this week, I'm only able to squat 600 pounds, right? So the next week let's go, let's try to get 625 and then, then we're going to work our way to 700. And then it's like, whoa, yeah. you know, it's like, I can actually see the gains here. You know, it's in, it, when you're on the field, it's like a slower process, right? Like things just like you have to do something like 400 times. I think it is for it to be muscle memory. So you just like, it takes a month to get like a, a pass rush move really locked in. Right. So those things were a little bit different. So I get drafted to the Broncos. Um, I was a 36 pick overall. And um, when I came in, I was third string. It was like, you're not getting a starting spot, but it's not just handed to you. And I took that spot. Um, I just outplayed them. You know, I just, I, it wasn't even like a work thing. It was just like, I just took it. 
I understood wrestling really helped me because the position I was playing was really like a run stopping playing double teams, creating opportunities for, uh, for Von Miller to get sacks. And that was like natural to me. Like, and it was really fun. We had together in the eight years that Vaughn and I were together, we had 136 total sacks together Dude, in the regular insane. season. Yeah. That's insane. so like, you know, we got after the quarterback and it was so much fun. But, um, uh, when I was, I, my second year in the league, I had a really good rookie year. I mean, balled out, went crazy. And it, things were like really looking up for me. And I took train. I went down to South Florida and started training really hard. And that's where I did my first striking with anybody like real striking. And I was with Henry Hoof, who's like one of the most, um, He's like right up there with Trevor Whitman and those guys. Like Big time. when it yeah, comes yeah. to to striking coaches, so I got to work with him on the striking, and he taught me uh-huh. how to like hand and foot, and that's what pass rushing is: same hand, same foot. That's why it's like that's really interesting. Transitioning you use that from as training, yeah, yeah. Well, transitioning from running to striking, right, is like that's pass rushing, and then creating a- creating angles on guys so you can get by them because these guys are good too. You know, like they're yes. big, strong, athletic dudes too, right? So you got to work around them and try to create angles and, and play chess games with them. Yeah. It's like a violent game of chess with these offensive linemen, you know? So that took it, that took it to another level. And that's where I've really like started loving the fight side of, of things. And I started to like, I, I would tell myself like, Oh, if I, I'd love to fight. Like yeah. I'd love to do it. You know, it'd be so much fun. Yeah. Cause I love the idea of like training by yourself and going through like a whole training camp by yourself. But um, that, there's nothing like a, a team, sport yes. right there's nothing yeah. like that like the, the the camaraderie but um so then i started i ended up getting paralyzed that year in the preseason right so this that is was 2013 that, man. it's insane so 2013 i um i was playing a cut block fullback comes and hits me on top of the head and uh, lights go out like i was awake but the lights go out and i can't move and i can't talk and then i toss me in an ambulance and so you're aware of what's going I'm on. I'm aware the whole time. Yeah. Wow. Cause I almost, talk. I actually went to like get off the ground and when I pushed my arms up, it felt like, um, you know, when you sit on the toilet for too long yes, and you go yeah. to stand up and it's that's how it felt. Oh man. That's how my whole body felt. It was like this weird, I felt like I was sinking into the ground, it was like, ting- like tingles, super almost. tingly. And then it just went numb. Wow. Everything went numb and I couldn't feel anything, but my neck, the only thing I could feel was my neck, like right at the base of my skull. It was hurt. It hurt really. It was like a sharp, sharp pain. And, um, almost like, a like it was like had its own pulse, right? I could feel like the pulsating in there and it was like really sharp and it was uh, right at C1. It ended up being so right at the base of my brainstem. Wow. And I was like, Oh, what's going to happen here? And then we're in the, I was like super sketched out. Right. Oh, <laughs> I can't, well, I can't imagine like something like that happens and what's going through your head at the moment. I right. was just like, I, 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 I was out of body type of feeling. Yeah. I was like, I could, I, I was like, it was almost like I was like looking down on myself. Like what, like what is going on here? And then it all, it all clicked for me. Like it came back. I came back into my body whenever they were like, I started feeling my feet again and it was in the ambulance. They were like scratching my bottom of my foot and I felt it. And I was like, everything's going to be okay. That you felt just, I was like, Oh, well, you're, you're fine. Wow. That's like, it's something in my brain told me like, you're fine. Like just because you could feel your foot. Yeah. Just because I could feel them touching my foot. Still couldn't feel my arms, but I could feel my foot. And I was like, Oh, I'm good. Like that just means that like the lights went out like for a minute, you know? And (laughs) it was like three hours though, you know, before you, before I felt like really could feel and move. 
Wow. Right. So then I'm in the hospital. The game's over. I'm in the hospital. I could finally move again. And they, they were like, you got to stay overnight. And I said, no, get me out of here. I got up <laughs> off the table and they had me in like this neck brace, you know, cause yeah. what they, there was no break. Nothing was broken in my neck. Um, so they had done all the x-rays. They did x-rays. And, okay. Yeah. So there's no broken bones. Um, which was, you know, that's great. great right? Absolutely. So yeah. great. Nothing's broke. So I'm good. Yeah. Right. So I said, get me off of here. Let me get on the plane with the team. So I showed up to the plane with the team and they were all like, what the, in the neck brace and all yeah. that. They're that's like, awesome. Dude, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm good. They I was on the field. Good. Yeah. I was on a field two weeks later. Whoa. And played and I played for 12 weeks straight and then I had a seizure and I knew something was up because every time I really got like when I got hit in the, in the face, which is every play, yeah, my arms would go numb and like, I was like, something's up, you know? And then I was having like crazy hallucinations at night, like in the middle of my, my sleep, I'd wake wow. up and like not yeah. know where I was. And like things were, I was having like crazy. Was that after like more mainly after you played or was that happening all the time? It was happening. It was happening. Like it wouldn't happen before that. Okay. Before that seizure but or I mean, before like, that, uh, that head injury. So you'd have that. And then you went back to, was it after like you'd get kind of hit a little bit and then, then that would happen. No, it was just like random. It was crazy. So weird. Like, uh, I remember there was a play against, um, against the, the Washington Reds, Redskins at the time, the commanders now, but, yeah. um, Trent Williams, who's like one of the best offensive tackles of all time. I beat him sack, uh, Robert Griffin, the third, and he like stuck his hand out to like stop me. And yeah. when his hand hit my, my face mask, my whole body went like limp again. Oh, and I man. sacked, I made the sack, but then like, all my teammates were like smacking me in the head. <laughs> oh, I was like, no. oh, <laughs> oh, I was like, quit touching me. Yeah. And then, so what happened was I was, I was losing weight, right? Like I couldn't keep weight on. I was pounding food too. Like could not keep my weight on. Um, because I was just like, my energy levels were just like fighting off whatever was going on in my, in my neck and spine. Cause your body's just dealing with that. Yeah. So wow. what was happening, what I found out later after the seizure, cause I get on a bus, we're in a, I'm in a three piece suit. We're going to, to Kansas city. Um, and we're, we're playing really good football. We're about like, that's the year we went to the Super Bowl and lost to Seattle. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> well, that's the other thing after that Seattle game, I'm sitting in the team meeting with a neck brace on and John Elway's up there calling us soft. Oh, wow. And okay. I'm like, dude, yeah. this guy. Yeah. So like, that was another reason why I was like, I'm getting back on a field right away. Like I'm going to prove. Yeah. yeah. And that's just being young and dumb and not listening to your body. And what, you know, I should, if I would have, maybe if I'd have just taken like three more weeks. Sure. Because what happened was I'm on the bus and I'm sitting there and you know that you ever been like dehydrated mm -hmm. and like started to feel like a little woozy. Yep. And then you start sweating yes. and you're like, okay, I'm dehydrated. I need to get like some sugar and salt, salt. Me, like, yeah, yeah. right away. Yeah. Well, I was like, I just need a Gatorade. My buddy handed my teammate handed me a Gatorade, chugged the Gatorade. And as, as I finished the Gatorade and set it down, I just blacked out. Holy cow. And then I woke up again and they were shoved. I had my shirt was all ripped open and they were shoving their thumb in my sternum. Huh? And I was like, I just like screamed at him like, what the fuck are you yeah, doing? Yeah. You know? Seriously, leave me alone. <laughs> like, stop. Yeah, yeah. And then I felt like I went back out. Then I woke up again. And the next time I woke up, I was in the hospital. I was in like a bed and all these lights were on me. And I reached up and grabbed a breathing tube and tried to rip it out of my throat. And that's why sometimes you'll hear my throat, like my voice will get kind of scratchy. It's because I screwed my esophagus because up. Because I was all that. the way down your throat. Yeah. Holy cow, like, man. They, had, they said that they were sticking tranquilizers, sticking me with tranquilizers. And it wasn't doing anything. Like I was just like, I was, my brain was in like survival mode. Right. So I was just doing everything. Like, I, I didn't know what was happening and I yeah. don't remember any of it. But, sure. But what, when I woke up the next time I was like 
tied to the bed. And I had these like boxing glove things on my hands and my head was all wrapped up and the breathing tube was out and everything. And I was like, what is, I was so confused. Right. And then I, I, I can't even imagine. One, yeah. of the, one of the trainers was there and he's like, like he did the look on his face. I was like, Whoa. And he's like, do you, he's like, how you feeling? And I was like, can I still play? And he was like, the game's over, bud. Like that game was been over for two days. You've been in a coma for two days. So, so this was 12, 12 weeks after the initial. Yeah. And then you had a seizure. And they had, to induce, they had to induce the coma because my heart, I was, imagine this, I'm f- ripping things out of my arms, right? Yeah. Throwing nurses on the ground and my heart rate is at 17 beats a minute. What? So they're like, they're, they thought I was on like PCP or something. They thought I was on drugs. 17 beats a minute? Yeah. Wow. And I guess it's, I, so the way the doctor explained it to me, he said that when, he said there's only a few people on the planet that can do this. When you get put under extreme, like snipers do it, right? When you're under extreme stress, your heart, you, your heart rate slows instead of speeds up, like just naturally does it. Interesting. So I'm like under this, my heart rate kind of, it slowed down so that it wouldn't go into cardiac arrest. But that's what they were worried about. They were worried my heart was going to just stop. Well, at 17 beats a minute, that's. I mean, that's like. Nothing. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Like barely beaten, you know, and then finally, so we do all these tests and they figure out that I wasn't getting any fresh blood to my brain because that bruise from that original injury never healed. What, so was your was your spinal cord spinal bruised? cord was bruised. Okay, so there so was a no, bruise there. No broken bone, but you bruised bruised your spinal the cord. cord. Yeah. Wow. And they said that I had twice as much fluid as even someone my size should have around my spine, huh. which is what saved me from severing the spinal cord. Wow. So it bent, it bent and bruised the spinal cord. That's crazy. That's what man. happened. Okay, now and it's like, it was like what. You know, and they said the reason why I was losing all this weight is because my adrenals were completely drained. My cortisol levels were like out of control. It was like all my, all my levels were screwed up, right? My testosterone levels were super low. Huh. Like everything was screwed up. All my hormones are screwed. And that's why I was having all these crazy hallucinations and everything. Well, so I just like, I took that year. We went to Super Bowl and lost and I was like not playing. I was sitting on the sidelines for the game and I was like, I might never get another Super Bowl shot again. Yeah. I was like so depressed I and bet. sick yeah. about it that it's it just like I ended up coming. So I got all, when I got out of the hospital, I was 250 pounds. That's great. And you were, you were, and I'm like what? naturally 280. Like yeah. I'm naturally like, if I don't really do anything, I'm like 280 pounds. Sure. Know? And I was playing at like, even th- throughout the season, I got all the way down to like 270. That's crazy. So you're under your weight dealing with all of that, dealing with all that. And then I came back the next season and I got back up to like 310. Played all 16 games, played really good. And then the next year, that's when Bill, you got to meet Bill Kolar. That's yes. when that, yeah. st- that coaching staff came in. And I was like, I was in really good shape. I feel that's like when you, Lauren you connect- came into my life. Yeah. I feel like you connected. I'm just from what I've seen with Bill, like it's like a connection there. Yeah. Connection with Lauren. Like I, I'd imagine that having, having that change over that, that coaching staff, you just, and you know, I've, played for different coaches, whatever. And some of them you just connect with. Yeah. And you, you're a better player. Yeah. Like there's just nothing else like that. Well, I think, I think people take really good coach for granted sometimes because they're there to make you better. Right. So whatever he has to do to make you better, that's what he's going to do. And yeah. that's why Bill is so influential in my life. And, and even before Bill, it was Lauren. Right. So like 
I, I like I said, I, I thought we talked about before. I was living very wild lifestyle. Yeah. Um, I was training hard, but I was living, I was partying just as hard. And that could have played a role into like why I wasn't recovering as fast as I usually do, you know? And well, it's like you're stressing your body from one angle and then the other. Exactly. Angle too. You know, yeah. and it, and it was like, you know, Lauren told me that, like I said earlier, Lauren told me something that stuck with me forever. And he's like, don't, don't sacrifice what you want the most for what you want right now. You might want to go so let powerful. loose and go yeah. have fun, but focus on you. This is a short window of your life, man. Like focus on this right now. And I was like, you're right. And I did. And I came out and we went crazy that season. Had it, one of the best defenses to ever play the game. It was ridiculous. Just yeah. dominated. I remember. I remember. Every game. Yeah. It was so much fun. Won a Super Bowl. Got a big contract. Uh, met my wife. Like everything kind of changed for me. You know, and it's I got crazy. to like grow up You think up it was just little. that mindset shift? It was. Just that. It was. It was like, you know, what? It, there was no substance to what I was doing. You know, the way I was living, there was no substance to it. Like it was, you know, every it was like party to party and, you know, woman to woman and it was like there was no substance nothing was real even my even the people that were in my life they were yeah. all just leeching you know yeah and then i met this woman that like completely changed my life you know That's and it awesome. was like yeah you she literally like exposed people for who they were and like has this like crazy you know meter on it cuz me like coming from the background that i've explained right where there yeah. was not a lot of love in my life so to me, any kind of like attention was like love, you know? So it was like, I thought these people cared about me when really they could give a shit. They were just along for the ride. Sure. And once we got rid of all that, it was like, whoa. Did you, did you experience a lot of that? Yeah. Like, like once you, once you made it to that level, there was a lot of people that just kind of almost came out of the woodwork. They were like, Hey Derek, let's do this or that. Oh, or yeah. Like I'm your best friend now, you know? Like, oh, you got the contract, you got the, like, you know, your, your name's out there, whatever. Oh like, yeah. I'm here and I want to, I want to ride the wave. Especially so like when I got drafted, it was, I, I was, I've always been kind of close guarded to like who I allow around me, but like, I was always looking for love, you know, like yeah, I was always yeah. looking for somebody that like cared about me, like genuinely cared about me. Right. So whenever I, whenever I, I felt like maybe they did care about me. I would just allow them in my life completely. Right. Like sure. I, there was, I was like an open book to them. So people took advantage of that yeah. and of my niceness and of my like trust and people that I never thought would do that, did that. And my wife exposed them and yeah. they were like, they, people were so, some of these people were so shocked that I was like, well, cause I have no problem just like cutting someone out. Like, sure. It's not hard for me to do that. Right. Like, yeah, it's once, once I, yeah, it's going to hurt me for a minute, but like now I'm just angry and I'm going to, I'm sure. you're just gone. Right. Yeah. And then when I go to the, I get the contract and then I go to the Super Bowl and win. And then people were like really trying to latch on. And that's why she came into my life at such a great time because it was right after that. And it was like, she was really able to like help me weed through all the bullshit, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just uh, such a, I'm so grateful for that, you know? Yeah. Because not everybody gets that. You got, I have a lot of ex teammates even that struggled today because I think that the most important decision you make in your life as a man is the woman you choose to, to, to live with. <laughs> I could, I right? could not agree more. I think yes, that's yeah, the most, cause if, yeah. if you have a woman that is like, there, there's, I think there's like multiple types of women when it comes to this, like there's women that will allow you to do whatever you want and say whatever you want, go do whatever you want and uh, kind of walk all over them. And they're just like a, um, I, excuse my language. But my wife calls them a know your place, bitch. You know, that's what she calls them, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. But she's not like that. Yeah. She is like, this is what, this is how she feels about it. And 
this is what's right and this is what's wrong. And it's like, you know, to me, that's sometimes I have a hard time deciding what's right and what's wrong, you know, because my guidance was not there as a kid, you know? So like my, my moral compass is like not as directed as hers. Right. And what's important and what should be a priority and what's this and what's what's that. It's such an interesting, I mean, we're talking about it, but it's such an interesting thing to, you know, to touch on. Cause a lot of, a lot of people will not understand what, what you're saying. No, they don't. Right? It, it's, it's people start to want things from you or they start to expect things from you. Right. And then you, you've got to decipher what's real and what's fake. And, and you have a lot of people come in and I've had this, I mean, I understand what you're talking about cause I've had it too. And you have people, you, you start to see their true colors mm-hmm. once once that type of success or exposure starts to come, it's like, well, they're almost expecting things from you. Yeah. Right. And they come in and, and it, and it is, it is tough, man. And the people that, like you said, that, that come around you, you know, and, and I don't know if, if you're this way now, but like, I know for me, like my circle has got smaller, way smaller, way smaller. Right. And it's just one of these things. And it's like, it's not, it's not because I've changed. It's just, it's just people will tend to show their true colors sometimes. And it's unfortunate. Well, you know, what's funny. You know, what's really funny is something that she like implemented. She's like, if people want to come to the game, they're going to pay for their tickets. When I was, when I was like, when we were winning and everything was great and I was, people always wanted to come to the games. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. So, and I was, I would just get their tickets, whatever, you know, it's a couple hundred bucks a ticket, like 180 bucks a ticket, whatever. So I would just get all the tickets for everybody and no big deal. When I stopped paying for them tickets, guess how many people came? Probably not as many. That's crazy. Zero. Zero. Wow. Zero people were willing to pay for their own ticket. And it See, was that's, like, te- that's a tell right there. I was like, that's, yeah. this is disgusting. Yeah. Like, it was and like, how many tickets were you buying or, or, or it'd before? be like five, six tickets a game, okay. sometimes 10, you know, whatever. Sure. But like when we, I made that hard well, line 10 tickets is a couple grand. I mean, exactly. It's like, I'm like, it adds up. it's like, dude, I'm spending two grand a game just for you to come watch me. It's like, yeah. You know, and a lot of people had to come from Ohio and stuff. And I under, and, and that's where like, they would pull my heart string. Oh, you know, man, I can't really afford the ticket and, and the plane ticket and this. And sure. Then next thing I know, I'm paying for plane tickets and this and that. And that happens to a lot of guys. There's guys that go broke doing that. That's crazy. They go broke because they're taking care of everybody else. Well, all of that type of stuff adds up, man. Yep. It adds up big time, man. Yes. And, it's, and people don't realize how expensive, you know, it is to just like host somebody, you know, even yeah. like even like for my birthdays every year, right? Like I would rent a big house up in the mountains and we'd go up there and snowboard and, um, you know, I'd spend 15, 20 grand on a house. And then the next thing you know, like people are, they're, you know, whining and moaning because they got to buy like food or alcohol or this or that. It's like, what? Yeah. It's like, dude, are you serious? Like, well, it's kind (laughs) of like, like, like one of those things where you can't mistake kindness for weakness. Yeah. Right. So like you stepping in and saying like, Hey, look, we got to draw the line here. And that's it. It's like, well, now, you know, if, if somebody's not willing to say like, oh, okay, cool. Like I'm, I'm willing to chip in. Like I get it, man. Totally. Yeah. Right. But it's seeing it from both sides. And a lot of people, it's, I think it's hard for them to open their eyes and say like, wow, this is coming with a lot. Like they look at it and, and obviously let's just say your contract is out there, what you sign for, cause it gets publicized. Everybody knows. Yeah. But they don't understand with that contract, there's taxes and there are things that come out and there's not, it's not like, oh, here, I just got handed a check for this, a full amount. No. Even though that's the number that goes out there. Yep. And so everybody's like, oh, well, Derek's got all the money in the world. Like, yeah, it's no not problem. like that, but yeah. It, yeah. it's cut in half right yeah. away. 
immediately. Immediately. Yes. And it's not, they, they see the contract number, but they don't know what you're getting. Like, I didn't get that whole contract up front. I had to work for four years to totally. get to that. Yeah. And right? there's incentives and within yeah, it. Yeah, and then there's yeah. incentives in there and all this stuff. And it's like, it's like, man, if you, you can't buy a plane ticket, you know, for, you know, if you can't spend, if you want to come see me, it's yeah. going to cost you probably 400 bucks. Sure. Right? Yeah. You want to come out here and, and go to the game. I'll buy dinner, whatever. Totally. Yeah. But like, people started to expect me to pay for all that stuff. And I, and when I stopped, a lot of people went away. A lot of them. Like, there was see, like one or two people left. Yeah. You know, cause they just kind of, they were like, oh, okay, well the free ride's over. Right. And then, then when I got married and they realized like the partying was over, then they really, then it really was like, cause you were probably paying for that too. Yeah. I was paying for that too. Yeah, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you know, then it's like, you, you feel stupid after where I sit. Sometimes I sit there and I'm like, man, what an idiot I was to think that these people actually cared about me. Yeah. They were just along for the party. You know, like they loved the party. Sure. Cause when I got married, people were like, oh, why are you getting married? You're crazy. This and that. And I'm like, dude, what? What, who are you to tell me No, yeah. what I'm like, what I want in my life? Like, don't tell me what I want. I know sure. what I want, you know? It's so, almost like they're telling you not to get married because they don't want their exactly <laughs> their gravy train to end. Exactly, because you know? <laughs> they knew it was over, right? Yeah, and yeah. she and she was like so onto their bullshit that like yeah. they were like, oh, she's the enemy, right? So then there was like this huge, this attack from them onto my wife. And it was like, it's like, dude, I, yeah. I, I, like you guys think I'm going to pick you over my wife? Like, no, yeah. You're not here. No. You won't even come out here unless I pay for you to come here. See, like, that's, that's crazy. So yeah. why would I choose you over her? You know, well, it's, it's crazy. It's, what's awesome. I mean, and I feel, I feel the same way, man. It's like you find a good woman and they're, they're, they're very difficult to find, but if you find a good one, it can change your life in so mm -hmm. many good ways, you know? And, and I think that that's one of the things that I would say to, to younger guys out there is just be selective about that and and really really you know think about it but once you find the right one it's it's gonna click you're gonna like know it's gonna, yeah it's like yeah. I, people are like how did you know and i'm like i just i knew yep. like yep. something was like because I, I think i had chased it chased lust and i i had confused lust and love yeah for so long that once i really understood what love really was then i was like whoa yeah like it's this the one of the one of the best things uh that carrie my wife said to me when, when we first started dating is she said I don't care at all about any of your accomplishments. Nothing. Yeah. Like I could, I literally yep. could care less what you have done or what people love you for or what you, any of it. Right. And I was like, that's literally one of the coolest things you could have said to me because at that point, once you, once you've whatever, I guess in the strongman world, you start having success. It's, it's just different things, but people come at you from different directions and, and especially women. Right. But you're deciphering like, what are you looking to get out of it, right? So it's almost like you have to be guarded and mm -hmm. protective. So, you know, it's 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 different, I guess, if maybe you start dating somebody before you have any success and they've been there from day one. But then once you're already successful at a certain level, it's even harder it's to harder. find. It's it's much harder. And people, I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's interesting, like, you're bringing this up because I'm, I'm going back and thinking about, like, what it was like for me because – I was all the time like, well, I, what are you wanting from me? Is this real? Or you're just trying to get in and you want to be in, in the limelight somehow? Like, you know what I'm saying? They, and they so use you use it for clout. Yes. You know? the, yeah. these, some, like men do it too with women, but like Big time, yeah. a lot of women will use you for clout. Yeah. Or, you know, for me, it was like, you know, I could tell when a woman was in it for money. Yes. And they were I like would imagine, looking yeah. for what they could get out of it, you know? Yeah. And what was going to, you know, yeah. I'm trying, they're looking to change their lifestyle. So. 
you know, what, what that would you say that about your wife saying, you know, I don't care about any of that stuff. My, my wife, she had no idea who I was. Right. That's awesome. She didn't care. Right. She didn't, you know, she could care less. Like she we'd people would like make it, we'd be out in Denver and she'd be like, why did, why are they excited? Why are they so excited to see him? (laughs) Like that's, she just didn't care. Like she, she, she genuinely liked me for me, my personality and who I was and, and not about what I was, you know, it was about who I was, not what I was. Because yeah. what I was was a football player, right? And and to her, it was an annoyance. Like she was just like could not wait for me to be retired. That's you know? crazy. Because she was like the the. It's not about the attention. It's about like the, you know, she's just like it's. I don't care about any of that stuff. Like I, she doesn't care. Yeah. About the money, she doesn't care about the who you are, what you got. Like see, and that's but now you know she's real. She's right? the one of the realest humans yeah. I've ever met. You yeah. know, that's huge. She's 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 so real that like she holds me accountable. Right. So like yep. some, as men, sometimes we like, we, our feet will get lifted off the ground a little bit. We need to be replanted. Yeah. And she's always there to like humble me, yeah. humble me, hey, you know, that's an like, important part of it. I got to yeah. be humbled. Right. So like even come out of retirement, right. I was like, I felt entitled to do whatever I wanted. Right. And so I was like, I'm going to go hunt. Yeah. So I went on these hunts and she was like, Hey bud, we yeah. have, a, we have kids. Sure. And <laughs> I'm your wife. Like, yeah. You can't just be gone for a month. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, wow, why not? You know, you know, sure. and she's like, grow up, you know? And I'm yeah. like, you're right. I need to, you're right. That's a, that's it's a, a silly vo- it's a voice of reason. It is. Yeah, it's, yeah. and it's like, you're, you're right. Right. Cause some, I think some wives would maybe be like, you know what? Like go do whatever you want, this and that. But, but for her, it's more important that I'm like in, I'm involved with my kids. Present. Right. Yeah, like present. I'm yep. present. Mm-hmm. And that's like, to me, that's, that shows like her true character. Right. So she's not like being selfish about it. Like, Oh, I need you here for this and that. No, it's, she's thinking of it from the kid's point of view. Like she wants me there for the kids. That's awesome. Yeah. And like, that is like, you know, incredible. It's, it's, it's difficult, but it's also like, I need it. Yeah. You know, like I, some days I'm like, Oh, this sucks. I can't just go do what I want. You know? But yeah. then other days I'm like, you know what, man, like this is important. Because yeah. I see guys that are, are like that, that don't have any real responsibility and their wife kind of takes care of everything and they do everything with the kids and they just kind of go do whatever they want. And it, it doesn't last. Their marriage never lasts. They always fall apart and it's yeah. like, there's no team there. Right. So yeah. everything that I do, she is involved in. So she feels like she feels like she's part of the team, you know, yeah. like, and on, to be honest, every good idea that I have came from her. That's awesome. Right? So like yeah. I might have like the, the kickstart to it, but she like fine tunes it and makes it like real and makes it a realist, a reality for me. Yeah. You know, so she, I, I have like, so, you know, I'm sitting here praising my wife, but she is like, you know, no, it's the huge. most important I, decision I made in my life was who I married. I've, and we've talked a little bit about this outside of this as well. And I feel, I feel the same way. It's like, you know, what Carrie does for me is all behind the scenes. A lot of it is or not seen. Uh, or showcased, load. but it's huge, man. Huge, huge. And that's helped me in, in ways that I can't even express either, you know? Yeah. So your, uh, what I want to talk to you about is your, your mindset. Like, so at the beginning of this, we went through, you're saying like your childhood and, and all that. I want to, I want to know where your mentality, right? Less competitive fire drive, like, where do you think that stemmed from? Do you think it stemmed from, like, being in so many different schools and, and sports was your outlet? Or was it 
Like what, what did, or was it always there? Was well, it always well, there? I think it started, I think it started because I just like was looking for validation, right? As a kid. And where I got that was by playing good football. <laughs> so, so you do that, get a, get a positive reinforcement. Yeah, yeah. So I was getting positive reinforcement from playing good football. So I was like, I got to be the best because if I'm the best, then I get the most love. Makes so that's, sense. and it's like, that's unhealthy, right? Yeah. But it, but it, it was unhealthy for a while. It was, it was healthy for a while, but then, you know, coming out of that, that competitive side, I find love in other ways now, right? Like I, you know, I have kids and your kids are like your legacy, right? So the love that I feel and give to my kids, like that, un- I never felt unconditional love before. It, the love I was getting my whole life was always conditional. It's always like, if I didn't play good anymore, then. Then the love stops. The love stops, right? That's so crazy. So yeah, like, yeah. I never felt unconditional love until I had my first child. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is a different feeling. Did that, did that happen at the moment? Like the moment I held her really in my hands, I was, it was like, just, it's a whole different thing. It was like a, it was, um, it was like this rush that came over my body, you know, like, Whoa, this is what that feels like. Yeah. Um, you know, and I still get it. Like, I'll be just like sitting there holding my daughter and I'll get, I'll get emotional, you know, cause I don't, I don't, I try not to cry in front of my kids. Like that's, I think you shouldn't cry in front of your kids cause they shouldn't see that. But, um, I try to like, I'll like have like, tears of joy coming out of my eyes because totally. I'm so happy in that moment, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I cherish those little moments of getting, just hold my daughter, you know? Sure. And it's, it's so special, man. It's, um, yeah. So I think that the competitive nature comes from looking like I was competing for love, you know, constantly competing for love and for, uh, validation. And then, then I put like a chip on my shoulder cause I felt like nobody thought I was going to be good enough. Right. So I'd like would create like a narrative in my head of that nobody thinks I'm better than I'm good enough. Right. When I, I think people never really thought that, <laughs> but, no, but it was, it, but it was I, real to you, but it was real Absolutely. to me. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I had created that narrative. Did anybody that, tell you that? That did I wasn't you, good like, enough. They, did they say that to you? I mean, were you ever told like, Hey, you're like people said to me, for example, when I was in high school that I like playing basketball is what I was trying to do, but it was like, I couldn't run fast enough. I couldn't jump high enough. I, I, I just wasn't a good enough at like, I got that. Yeah. And it fueled me like nothing else, man. It was like, I wanted to prove that wrong all the time. Exactly. Proving people wrong. Right. So like I was, I was born into a situation that I was like kind of destined to fail. Right. Destined to be just like a white trash kid from, Northeast Ohio. It sounds. That's kind of where I was tossed into. Right. So it was like, I was always fighting that, like always like, Oh, I will be better than this. Right. So when I was in high school, my head coach told me, I loved my head coach in high school, but he did tell me, he was like, dude, you're, you need to play offensive line because you're white and white guys don't play defensive line. And I'm like, I don't, what? I just was not, I didn't think that way, right? Like, I never thought, like, I was less of an athlete because of my skin color, right? Yeah, totally. Or I never thought that people would look at me that way. But it's, it is, it is kind of true that, like, people look, when you, you get stigmatized as a, as a white defensive lineman, it's like, he's just a high effort, hardworking, strong guy that, like, you know, he's not going to, his athletic ability isn't going to be as high as, like, another guy. It it was, that's just kind of, so I would play that in my head of, and then, you know, like a hall of fame guy one time told me he was like, white guys don't last in this league at defensive line. And so to me, I was always like, 
that was like another driver for me, right? So I had a, multiple drivers that drove the train, right? And it you was, would like something like that? Would you just latch on? Oh, it? I just latch onto it. Like I, I loved it. it. Yeah, like I, I love loved that. it when people doubted me. Like I would rather feel. I would rather have somebody doubt me than like try to lift me up. You know, like yes, I'd rather yeah. them think I can't do it because it, which is like a blessing and a curse because yeah. it it's I've been that way since I was a kid, right? When I like don't do that. Well, now I'm going to go try it. Sure. Okay, so I have to learn for myself, right? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, we're gonna oh, test you, should, it. Yeah. you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't. But to me, it's like, I just like this. Um, it's like in my DNA to like do things that people think I can't do. Um, so it was, it. Yeah. it was, uh, it's a blessing and a curse. Cause like, it's my, it's in my nature to like do what I'm not supposed to like do what somebody says I shouldn't do. Right. So as you would, as you mature, you learn what things you probably shouldn't be doing. Yeah. But I always have to learn the hard way. I feel like, you know, like yeah. I have to try it and figure it out for myself because I just don't, my wife always says, you know, you, you just don't listen. Yeah. <laughs> like she's like, you have to like learn in the hard way. And I'm like, I know. Cause I'm a rockhead sometimes like sure. I can't help it, you know? Um, but as I mature, it starts to come along. But, but those drivers, man, like what, what motivates you every day, right? Like when you wake up yeah. in the morning, what is like, like when you don't want to do it, what drives you to go do it? Yeah. And to me, it was always that doubt that people, I knew that people thought I was going to fail. Like I knew that even in my small hometown that, so Lou Holtz told me this, Lou, if you guys don't know who Lou Holtz is, yeah, you, you probably should. I mean, he's like one of the oh, greatest coaches of all time. I never met him, but it, I've listened to some of his stuff that he said, and it's incredible. Yeah. He, t he, I got inducted into his hall of fame and he told me, he said, let me tell you something, Derek. 90% of people want to see you fail. The other 10% don't give a shit. <laughs> and I was like, dude. That's, hey, okay. I was like, dude, yeah. that makes, you're right. And he's right. Because what do people love in this country? They love to see the downfall of someone. Like yeah. they are obsessed with watching someone burn out, right? And just fail miserably. Oh, they'll, yeah. Like they love for it, sure. right? Yep. Like they'll, and that's, it's crazy because they'll root for you on the way up. But then when you get a little too much success, they're like, well, hold on a down. minute. They want to see you go down because misery loves company. And there's a lot of people from my hometown that like they can't, they think that I think I'm better than them or something because I want more for my life. Right. Sure. I want more out of life than just to be, you know, living in some small town and doing small town things. Like I have bigger dreams than that, you know, Sure. which it, there's nothing wrong with that. Yep. There's nothing wrong with people being complacent and wanting to stay there, but I'm not that person. No, I can't. The complacency is like a disease, but to they want to see you fail. Cause you're, I think through your success, you're making them uncomfortable. Oh, really? Uh, it, that's what that's, it is. That's what, happens. that's the best yeah. way to put it. Yeah. You hit it, the nail on the head because it's <laughs> people get so uncomfortable seeing somebody else do something that they just were too lazy to do. Honestly. Yes. You know, yep. like mostly cause I think most of it is laziness. Uh, cause there were, there are, I mean, how many great athletes have you seen just never do it because they just didn't chase it? Yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of guys, man. I mean, through, even in your, yes. especially, I think, especially in the strong man, yeah. right? Yeah. Because this is some, like you weren't always the strongest man no. ever. Yeah. yeah. That wasn't, you weren't born like that. You had to work for that. You had to grind for that. Right. And yeah. that's why I hate when people go, must be nice to be six foot six and be big. I'm like, dude. <laughs> how many big people do you see that just don't do anything? No, it's so, you it's see so a lot. true, man. So you, you, you have you to have work to, and grind for this. Like I, yeah. I've 
blood, sweat, and tears in this, man. Like yeah. hours away from sacrifice, right? Yeah. I've sacrificed so much for this yeah. that like, how dare you? Well, what I would say to that is, is those type of people that say the, like the must be nice comment. Well, you, you weren't there at the beginning when, when I was nothing. Right. Right. And I was training by myself. And like, for me, it was training in my parents' garage. It was an unheated, uninsulated garage, scooping the driveway, loading all the weights up by myself, you know, grabbing dumbbells and barbells that are so cold. I got to go to a heater and heat my hands up all because I see a vision in my head of where I want to try to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to walk out there and be uncomfortable and live that to try to open the door up. Right. And I didn't know at that point if the door was going to open or not. No. Right. But like you're working and working and working. It's just the thinking the next guy's working harder and I'm going to prove it that I can make this happen. You know, and then you get down the road and you do, you do have some success and you do open different doors and then those type of comments come. But like those people, if you could talk to them for a couple minutes, it's like, look, none of it was handed on a silver plate. None no, of it. None of it. All of it had to be created. All of it had to Earned. be worked for. Exactly. Yes. Every, 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 every little, yeah. every little thing that, especially, especially in art, like the things that we've done, every little step of the way was earned. Has to be. Yes. Because there's competition there, right? There's competition. There's other factors that are out of your control, right? All you can control is how hard you work. Yeah. And we, we, what people like us decided was that I won't be outworked. Yeah. Like I refuse to be outworked. Yeah. And when you make that decision and really stick with it and stay consistent with it, it it takes time. And I think that people want instant gratification, right? So they're like, Oh, it didn't happen today. So it's never going to happen. No, you have to keep grinding yes. every day and you still might not make it. Yeah. But there, that's where the fear of the unknown it takes people over and they can't control their emotions and that, and that, and that time, right? They can't, they can't understand why, why can't I control this? Why can't I control that? They're worried about the things they can't control instead sure. of worrying about what they can't control. And that's how hard they work. Well, and I think if, if they're, yeah. if they let go of the fear, yep. Brian, like use it as a driver. Yeah. Use that fear as a driver. Like I'm sure there's days where you're like, I don't know if this is going to work. Yeah. Like, cause believe me, there was days where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it, Yeah. but I'm going to try hard as hell. Yeah. Right. And I'm not going to have any regrets when I'm done. Yeah. I'm going to know There's, that I did everything I could. You And that's, it's, it's control. I think too many people think of it as a bigger picture too. So they, they, they almost talk themselves out of even trying or starting <laughs> because like, well, let's just say you look down the road to you. It's like, well, you've made it from not only middle school and high school and college all the way to the NFL. And now you're one of the top guys in your position in the whole NFL, right? Like you're at the pinnacle. So somebody starting down here, or they're looking at that, and the path is long, but they don't understand that each and every day you've woke up and got better, incrementally better, the next day and the next day and the next day, and then that turns not in from a day to a week to a month to years to, you know, like it just adds up. Compounding. And you've got better. But it's it's this mindset to move the needle forward every single day mm-hmm. right and whether 100%. you're having a good day or a bad day or anything in between there's a lot of days and i i know and i don't even have to ask you i know there's a lot of days where you're waking up and it you hurt you're tired you're not motivated and you fall back into discipline and you're like you know what 
I'm going to go get it done. Yep. Right? Like, I'm just <laughs> going to go get it done. There's no, That's it. I'm like, going. No I'm going to go do it. Because yes. the hardest part is just getting there. Yep. Just getting up and getting there. Just get started. Yeah. Yep. And once you get started, everything's going to work out. Yeah. You're all, you know, and it's, I think a lot of guys, I've seen, I seen it in the league too. They get, they get to like their later years. Um, like, and I'm talking like three, four years in the league and they start becoming complacent and they start just kind of getting through the workouts. Yeah. They're training in the off season, but they're not really like pushing it, you know? Oh, I don't want to, they make excuses. Oh, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to overtrain. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. It's like, no, dude, you have to get better. Cause guess what? There's a whole group of guys getting ready from, to get drafted. Like yep. there's a whole nother crew of dudes coming to take your job. So like, if you don't keep getting better, so Peyton Manning told me this. And it was, it's another thing that, like, I've been around some great players and great coaches. Peyton Manning said, you either get better or you get worse. You never stay the same. So you That's don't, so good. You don't yeah, just yeah, stay the yeah. same. You either get better or you get worse. That's the, that is a fact. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what you do in your life, what your job is. Like, you know, look at these two. Do you guys ever think, like, hey, I'm just going to stay the same? Like, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing every day. And that's going to, you know, I'll be okay. No, you have to get better every day. You have to, and it has to be little small increments, 1% every day. Cause you did, like Peyton said it, man, you either get better or you get worse. And that's like so simple, but it's like, I say that to people sometimes and they're like, oh, that makes sense. And it's like, it does. Sometimes yep. people just need to hear it, right? Yep. But that's where your discipline comes in. And I think discipline is the hardest thing. Discipline is the hardest thing to like stay consistent with, right? Because everybody can like, anybody can load up a podcast and talk about discipline and talk about this and talk about that. But going and doing it for years and years and years, for a decade, for two decades, and being consistent and disciplined for those for that long is not easy. No. It's not easy and it's hard and it takes sacrifice and your friends will be doing things that you wish you could be doing. But at the end of the day, you know, if they don't, if you don't sacrifice and, and discipline yourself, you're never going to, you're never going to excel, right? You're going to hit a wall and you're going to give up and then you're going to be living in a van down by the river. How many, how many guys in the NFL, like you, you spoke about guys like in their third or fourth, fourth years, getting, getting a little complacent, that kind of thing. What, what was the, the mentality of a lot of those guys like, like, was it, was it, I'm going to go out here and get better? Or was it like, I, Hey, I made it. Yep. I made it. I'm good. Like, and then the ego almost takes over a little bit where it's like, I don't need to do that. Like, we'll let the younger guys do that. Like, I don't need to work on this. Does that take over or is it kind of a mix? Of, well, of the both? average career in the NFL is two and a half years. It's insanely short. And that's because, yeah, yeah. and I think that has a lot to do with guys. Well, all right, look at it this way. I had $7 in cash when I got drafted. That's crazy. Yeah, $7 in cash. Didn't have a bank account. Never had a debit card, any of that stuff. Like, I paid everything in cash. Like, didn't really pay my, didn't have a cell phone bill. Like, I, I'd use pay by minute, you know. And... The, the I, phone cards, right? Yeah. Bro, people don't remember that. They them. don't remember that. Like, that, I had to put minutes on my phone, yes. you know? And it yeah. was like, I only had a certain amount of text messages I could send, and it was like... Yes, you were limited. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. limited on what was going on here, you know? Yeah. So when I got that first check, I remember that feeling of like, I would not allow myself to feel like I made it. I wouldn't allow myself, because I'd been told by so many other older guys that like, don't let yourself 
once you get drafted, that's when the work starts. Like now you got to take that, that work ethic to a whole nother level and that discipline to another level. And that's what I did. And I, and that's, I seen, I seen a lot of guys that had a lot more ability than I did not make it because they, instead of focusing on like their training and getting better, they were focused on like chasing women, you know, chasing the doll, you know, spending money, buying chains, buying watches, buying cars, you know, buying houses and stupid stuff like that. Um, and by really what it comes down to is what's like buying something that's going to appreciate. Right. Sure. So these guys don't understand. There's no financial literacy there, which I didn't have any either. I just was like, I'm just not going to spend a lot of money. That's That's so smart. You know, I'm just going to try not to spend a lot of money and I'll be okay. And try to live within, like stay in my financial lane. Right. Cause when you get to a locker room, you got guys that are making 20 million, 50 million a year. And then you got guys that are making five, 600 grand a year. Sure. All so in the same, locker all room. in the same locker room. So then yeah. you can't live the way you can't live that same lifestyle on a rookie contract that Vaughn is living. Right. Like I knew sure. that. Right. So like Vaughn's flying private everywhere and stuff like I'm flying Southwest. All right. Like sure. <laughs> it's, different. Yeah, yeah. it's different. Right. Yep. I can't, you can't expect to do that. And that's guys blow through their money and they don't work hard. And then they're out of the league. And then what do they do? They start working hard. After they've, After lost they've the already lost it yeah, and the opportunity is gone, dude. Like it's gone. Yeah. Like, because you're, you're now, you're now 25, 26. And now there's a 19, 20, 21 year old who's working his butt off yeah. and that will play for nothing. Sure. Because he just wants his chance. Sure. So that's who you're competing against. Right. So like guys, they wait till it's too late. Yeah. And, and that's why you have to seize it when it comes, right? That opportunity is only going to be there for a short time. You got to seize it when it gets to you. And, and there's a lot of guys that in their second, third, fourth year, they just like, I've seen guys eat themselves out of the league. Just, yeah. you can't that's, make weight. They just eat too crazy. much. It's just like the, all of it right at your footstep. Oh, it's you right know, like there. Right in front of you. And it's, it's just, if you, you could look at it that way, like it, it's always an opportunity you could get better, right? Just keep pushing, you know, cause I know, I know for me, one of the, one of the biggest driving things for me when I was young was always thinking that there was somebody out there that was working harder than oh. me, right? It would literally drive me crazy. Eat me alive. Yes. I hated, I hated thinking that. So every, every sport that, that I competed in and then eventually strongman, I was always thinking if I'm not working harder, you know, cause it's the same thing. Like you have new faces that show up, yeah. right? So if I'm going to compete and I compete for almost 20 years total, but there's always somebody new coming up, right? They're, that's getting hyped up. Like, Hey, this guy, he's coming in, he's doing all this. And it was always that same thing. Just like what Peyton said, you're either getting better, or you're getting worse, right? So I have to get better and stay ahead of the curve. So, yeah. you know, as the level goes up, the expectation goes up. But if I'm, if I'm coming back to the party, I'm going to bring a new package, right? And I'm going to step up and be better. But like not losing that work ethic or that ability to say like, hey, I can reinvent myself a little bit here. I can improve on this or break this down and do this a little bit better. Like if you can't have that, you can't just say, well, I'm going to stay at this level because everything is going to progress past you. And, and think about this, right? So you're at the, you were at the top, right? What is everybody, everybody in strongman is competing against you. Yes. You, they're chasing you. Yeah. Right. So, so that was the same way in the NFL. Like if you're the best, if you're the best of that position, all of these guys coming out of college are competing 
to be like you. They're watching you. They're, they're watching studying you, you. They're studying yeah. you, doing yeah. all the things you do. And that's, that's why it's like, man, like it's a fine line between, you know, do I keep doing the same thing I'm doing? Do I need to change it up? Do, like yeah. there, it's a constant, there's a constant change in like, you know, with the science-based training and all this other stuff. And everybody's doing something different, right? Sure. And I think that's another thing that people do wrong is that they, they look too much at what other people are doing, right? They're focused on what everybody else is doing. I just had this conversation with my oldest daughter. Um, she's 17. She's a junior in high school. She was, instead of focusing on like what's more, what's important to like, with her, like her ACT and this other stuff, like, and she's a really smart kid and she's got a, like a her future is so bright, but she was like listening and watching what other kids were doing sure. and thinking, Oh, I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to, I'm like, no, yeah. stay the course, right? Stay the course, do what you're supposed to be doing, right? Yep. Not what you think other kids are doing. Right. And don't listen to them. They don't know. That's so, and they don't yeah. care if you succeed or not. Yep. Right. So like, be, and I think, I think for like, even in your position, man, like to be at the top of the top of the top, like the best in the world, right? Everybody is chasing you, yep. everyone. So like now you, that's an even, to me, that would be like a whole nother motivation to me. Right. So when we won the Super Bowl, I knew that everybody was going to play us even harder. Right. Cause they want to beat the champ. To town, for sure. So yeah, every yeah. time that you're getting competed against, they're bringing their best, they're bringing their a game. Yes. So every time, and then, it, then if you're like a pro bowler and you're like, you know, they watch your film, right? So like yep. everybody watches my film and they come out and play me. I know that they're going to play absolutely their best game because they want to be able to beat me. Yep. Right. So it's like that drove me, right? I never, I when I, the other thing that drove me, Brian, was that when people watched film on me, I wanted them to be like, oh shit. I have to go against this guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I wanted that. I love that. You know, yeah. and I would think about that during games. Like I would think about the next team watching me in film being like, shit, God, I love, I got to play against this guy and he doesn't stop. Like he just constantly is up my, up my ass. Like sure. he just will not stop. He comes every play. Yep. And I, that was like a big driver for me too. And I'm sure that was with you too, right? It was like, you're never going to let up, right? You're going to be, and that's when you talk about like some of the injuries that you dealt with and that you've, that you like competed through, like yep. when you talked about your bicep, yep. right. And you competed through that, like, I bet when that happened to like, here's what's the, I bet when that happened, I bet there was people competing in that event, in that um, competition. I bet they were like, Oh, thank God Brian's out of it. Oh, and then they saw that you weren't out of it. And they're like, Oh shit. Yeah. You know, like that's yeah. that people are hoping that something happens to you. So they don't have to compete against you. Right? I would, I would hundred percent guarantee that. Cause like that, that year with the bicep, I had won every single contest the previous year, every single one. Yeah. So I was walking in like I was expected to be the best, right? Like that's what I said to myself and everybody else is like, this is, you know, this is who we're going against. So 100%. But the thing is the power, the power of that not quitting, right? And looking back, I wouldn't change a thing about it, right? Like you, you tear a bicep, you continue going, you continue coming back and fighting. Like you never, ever stop, never. Never. Right. So I'm never going to stop. You might have me down. You might be ahead of me, but like the whole time you better be watching. Cause like, I'm not going to quit. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to keep coming. And it doesn't matter if I'm a little, you know, ripped up or banged up or what. Like there is no, like in my mind with something like that, there is no stop. Right. Like mm -hmm. th that's not an option. Quitting is not an option. Right. So like that was something 
that came, you know, more from, more from my dad. Like you start something, you finish it. And then same thing, like I had another coach in college, you know, playing basketball. And it was like, for us, our option was you either get up and walk off or you get carried off. Mm -hmm. Right. And I love that. I loved it because it's like, you could be hurting. Doesn't matter. You can walk, get your ass up and walk off. Right. And it was, so it's just kind of like this, like, I really, really took that to heart. So even in strongman, like, for example, when that bicep happened, I would almost guarantee that almost none of the other guys knew that I tore my bicep because I didn't, I didn't react. I kept trying to compete. Like you might've seen it and been like, okay, something's wrong. But when I walked backstage, I had an elbow sleeve on, I kept the elbow sleeve on. And I just told the guy with me that was helping me like pull another elbow sleeve out. We'll just put it on top. I'm not going to look at what the hell happened. Something happened, but I'm not, I'm getting, we're going to warm up for the next event. So it was like not acknowledging it in my brain, like it's not a problem, right? Like I'm going to figure it out. And that's, that's instead of being like, Oh crap, I'm done. What's wrong. I'm panicking. It's like, all right, good. Tore the bicep. Good. Like I'm going to figure it out. Right. (laughs) And that's, it's just one of those things. It's, it's, but it's no different than you. You're telling me stories about like, Hey, I dislocated a finger or something. I'm going to go, I just take the tape off. I'll pop it back in and I'm right back in the game. It's insane. Like most people listening to this, you can't fathom what, what that is. But like when you have a top level competitive athlete that can go through that mentally and handle it, that type of discipline to go, it's a whole different place. Yeah. It's a whole different place to go. You have to go deep. Yes. You got to go deep and you got to dig. But see, you waking up, you waking up from from literally being put into a coma and saying, "All right, can I finish the game?" Right? Like I'm ready to go. Yeah. Like it's it's the same thing. Tear the bicep. I go get it checked out. First question out of my mouth: Can I still compete? Like are you telling me I have to stop or can I compete? Right? It's not about like, well, how bad is it? Whatever. Okay, it's torn. Can I compete? Yeah. Th- that's the next question. So it's it's a different level that there's not many human beings that will understand that or, or comp. they're not willing to go there. No, no, not. because they, you're, you're not going to die. And they don't like, right? being, well, people don't like to be uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. And we talked about this uh, yesterday about like becoming like being able to find comfort and being uncomfortable. Right. So <laughs> there's something special about that. Right. So yeah. when it, when you feel like when your mind is saying, stop, you got to stop. And then you push through that. And then you come out and you might not win, but you come out of it and you feel like you, you still feel like you accomplished something because that, that made you better, right? That you, you got mentally tougher doing that, right? And mentally for the mental fortitude that it takes to like be a champion in anything, I don't care what it is, is it's next level. I don't care if it's tennis. I don't care if it's, you want to be the best electrician. I don't, the best plumber. I don't give a shit to be the best at something takes mental fortitude. So the only way to do that is to fight through that, like that, that little voice in your head and push it aside that's saying, all right, you can stop now. All right. You can chill. All right. You can relax. You've made it. Yep. You're fine. You don't need to push through that. Oh, you're hurt. Go ahead and chill. No, you can't do it, man. There's times I'd put, go to put my cleat on and my foot and ankle are so swollen. I couldn't have to get my foot in the shoe, but I did it. Yep. And then I'd take a tort all and go. Yep. <laughs> and it's yep. like, no, you're, you know, it, you're exactly and that. That voice never goes away. No, that's the thing is like people that are, that are that disciplined. I think, I think to somebody that's never tapped into that, they never have got past that voice. 
but they think, okay, well, those guys, what they don't have a voice like that that's telling them like, hey, you know what, it's easier if you just don't do this or, hey, don't push that harder. Oh, man, this really hurts. Like you could, you could easily call it in and, and you don't need to go do that, right? Yeah. Like that voice is always there. It, it doesn't stop. No. Like it's always challenge. Like, and I think that you're the same way as me. Like I almost take it as a challenge when that pops in my head saying, shut up. I'm going to handle it. Mm-hmm. Like you just, you're not talking anymore. Like I'm not listening to that anymore. And those, there's so many of those moments, but that's discipline, right? Like you said, to mm-hmm. be the best at anything, you have to be able to go through some type of discomfort, embrace it, live it. And then keep going. Yep. Right. Like, and, and, and anything great. I tell, like I tell my boys, uh, they'll, they'll fall down and get hurt or, or something will happen, whatever. And I'll, I'll, you know, come over and like for me and my wife is great with this too. Like from day one, we haven't coddled them at all. Right. Like you get fall down. Okay, cool. Keep going. But then I'll say to them, I've started saying this, like, like, well, it used to be like, you want me to rub some dirt on it? whatever like and that was the answer and and for the longest time like I don't think they understood what rub dirt was but it was like that's gonna rub my leg or whatever now I'm good I go play but now it's I'll ask him do you know what the good news is right I started asking them that every time they go through something challenging or get hurt or whatever do you know what the good news is and I and and then now my younger one especially started saying I got tougher yeah That's, that's the good news you just got tougher right? Like you went through it, wasn't fun, whatever you fell down. Okay, cool. You got tougher. Great. Yeah. Keep, keep going. And that, that's, that's, uh, we, this day and age, man, these, I think that the, the generation coming up, cause what is, what are your, our kids generation is called like gen alpha. Is that what it I is? I've never even heard that yet. I think that, <laughs> I think that we're going to see like a, a better, like, cause I think gen X is like, or gen Z or whatever is like, so soft, soft. Yes. It's so willing to just give up and complain and blame everybody else for their problems. And, uh, there's all this mental health stuff going on. They don't want to take accountability. And, but I think that the generation after that, which is gen alpha, I think that they're being raised by men like us sure, who are pushing them, pushing, pushing them to be better. Right. And not giving them an out, not letting them make excuses. Right. Like that's what you have to do, especially with boys, man. Like these little boys, like Look at the, look at the, I look at my daughter's high school and I'm like, what the hell? Dude, I can't even imagine. Is going yeah. on with these kids. Yeah. Like if I, if, if you're like any type of, if you have any type of the mentality that we've been talking about, yeah, you will run through them like a hot knife through butter No problem. because they yep. will quit so quick. They will quit as soon as it gets difficult. Yeah. Like as soon as it gets hard, they're going to quit and be like, see, I told you I couldn't do it because they've already made it up in their mind. They're not supposed to do it. Sure. It's so a, it's a horrible mentality. Yeah. It's horrible. But it's, that it, softness is, is it's bad. It's really bad. It is really bad. And it's, yeah. it's, you know, they're, they're locked in on like social media and yes, they're, and almost, I almost think against things that aren't real. Yeah. That's what's, what's driving it in a lot of ways. It's, it's this, I'm going to share my, uh, victim story. And my victim story is better than your victim story. So like everybody (laughs) should run over and tell me like, you know, whatever, how brave I am for saying how much of a victim I am. Right. Like the, the, the truth of the matter is, yes, you're going to get comments and people are going to come in and say like, oh yeah. But like, you know what? I've, I've been through a lot of tough 
times like down whatever like we're talking about great things and, and all that but like there's a lot of moments man where you like you hit rock bottom mm -hmm. and you know we don't need to go to into all that i'm not trying to say like hey let's talk about that but it's like you know what man like there's some moments where you, you gotta pick yourself up and figure it out oh yeah right like Did nobody, I, I nobody cares i i still struggle to the we talked about at the beginning man i i struggle like depression is real, man. Like I, yes, it's yeah. not like I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not real. Yes. But like anxiety and depression and all those things, you can change your outcome, right? Like you can change your mindset when I'm feeling like super. So for me, if I'm feeling super anxious, super weird in the morning, even at night, I'll just write down three things I'm grateful for. It that's can be awesome. the simplest yeah. thing yeah. because what I've learned is that the, your brain anxiety and great and gratitude come from the same part of the brain. So anxiety and depression are tied together. Right? So if I'm feeling depressed and down in this and that I will, it could be the small, like this morning, my, my three things were, um, hot coffee. I was, I was grateful for a cup of hot coffee. I was grateful for a bowl of oatmeal and I was grateful for, um, the opportunity to wake my daughter up. That's like, awesome. Those three things. Yeah. Those three things are so simple, but like completely changed my mindset right away. But the problem is that these kids start feeling sorry for themselves. Even adults do it. They start feeling sorry for themselves. They go look They're They're being told by doctors that they need medicine. Sure. So now they're on antidepressants and now they're stuck in a cycle. So now you are stuck in the system in the cycle and you are going to continue that until you do something yourself. There's no pill that's going to fix you. Yeah. It's your mind. Your mind is what can fix you. You can change the way that you think about things. So like that's, I encourage anybody that's listening to this to, to try the gratitude thing. Cause it, it, it seems so simple and so corny, but it works. It, 100% it really works, does. man. Because yeah, I, yeah. I, I did, I do, I struggle with that. Like, I, I don't know if it's from the trauma from my childhood, this and that, like whatever. I, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like none of that matters. All that matters is that like, I have, I have kids that are like looking up to me. Right. Yeah. I have a lot of people that, that, same with you. You have people that are looking up to you, man. Like not just your kids. There's like a lot of adults that look up to you. Yeah. Right. That are looking for at you for, for motivation. Right. So for them to be vulnerable and let them know that like, yeah, I have days that suck. Absolutely. Like day, yep. some days suck. But what I do is I try to change that with my, with my sure. mental state. Right. I try to make it a priority to well, change my mentality about it. What, what you're touching on with gratitude is, is so, so important. And it's, it's, it's a, like in all fairness, right. With what you have just said, and we didn't talk a tremendous amount about your childhood, but it would be so easy for you to say, look at what I, what I had to deal with in my childhood. That's my victim story to the world. Right. And then you, you never did any of the great things that you've done and that's it. Like, Hey, I, I was, I was, I was not given the same opportunity and I had to deal with this in life. And therefore I'm still in Ohio and I never made it out. And I would have made it out if it would have been better for me here, but I had to deal with this, right? How easy. And you, that's what you could say to everybody. So easy to say that. Yes. But instead you said, I'm going to create my own path and do my own thing Change and open stars. doors. You did. Change your stars. Man. But being, being able to get to a place of gratitude where you are thankful, like, in some of my lowest spots that I've ever been in, that was it. It was it was like, hey, the sun's out today. The sky's blue and the, the sun's out and maybe I can see the mountains and you know what, uh, whatever. Something small, but it's like, hey, that's cool. Yeah, I'm grateful for that. 
I can now take the next step and move on, right? Yep. And and keep moving forward. But instead, it's like this negative thing that can consume you. Oh. And when you're when you're like, I know for me, I go hard one way or the other, right? Yep. Because of how competitive in my mindset. Like if, if things are negative, I go negative hard. Me right? too. Right. Yep. And if it's positive, I can I can ride a positive wave up. But it's identifying when I'm I'm looking at things too negatively. To change that, right? Yeah. So then it's it's like what you just said. You snap it and say, okay, cool. I'm identifying this is not good. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to allow that to happen. I'm going to control what I can control, and I can I can get into a gratitude mindset and start to build positive momentum, mm-hmm. right? And so that's like, for me, that's what's so powerful is identifying that and changing it and then saying, look, tomorrow, tomorrow okay, today might have been bad, whatever, Tomorrow I can wake up and start fresh, yeah, right? It doesn't a, need to a be a day. Monday or next month or next year. It's like, hey, new day, sun comes up, awesome. Sunrise is there, boom. I'm now sitting in this spot and I'm grateful for the next day and I get to change ex- all of my trajectory at that point and start building positive momentum. And then the, the the more clear your thoughts are in that direction, the more positive you bring to yourself too. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it starts to build this crazy cycle of being positive and, and good things start to happen and appear. And you look at things through a different, a different lens, you know, manifesting that's huge, is bro. huge. Yeah. Dana White talks about, you know, how manifesting is so real. Right. And I, and I, I agree with that. My wife, my wife tells me that all the time. She's like, you have to manifest it. Like, don't, cause I, 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 I when you talk about like when things go, if I decide that I'm going to just be negative and I'm like. I'm, I'm in a bad mood and things are bad. Yep. It's bad, bad right? Like yep. it's real bad. And it's, and if I let myself get, that's why you have to try to not ride the highs and not ride the lows. Right. So if you get too high, the crash is so difficult like to deal with. And that's what happens is you get this high and then it crashes and then you're like, well, how do I get back to like baseline? Right. Well, you get the baseline in, by staying at baseline. Yeah. Don't ever let yourself get, if you start feeling like, Gratitude can bring you back down from both. Sure. Being like, oh, I'm super positive, right? I just stay grateful. Yeah. Continuing to be grateful. If things get a little negative, I'm okay. I'm grateful that I even have this opportunity or that I was even able to do that or even able to be in that position. And it keeps me baseline, right? And it's like a little wave like this, right? Instead of these ups and downs, ups and downs. And that's what happens with people is that I know it because I've lived it. Yep. I know that you get so high and then you get so low and then you're like, you just start to get overwhelmed yep. and then you're just like, now I'm done. Yes. I'm done. I'm miserable. And I think that that's why you see a lot of like, you know, you see a lot of suicide now because people can't dig themselves out of that super low yep. spot where if they just would have continued on like a gratitude standpoint, like, like looking at it from like, Oh, I'm grateful for just another day. Yes. You know, it, and it starts simple. Right. And it sounds so, I said it before, but it does. It sounds so corny. I remember people telling me this when I was younger, like, Oh, just, you know, be grateful and this. And I'm like, sure. Grateful for what? Like, ah, you know, <laughs> look at all this bad stuff. Look at all this bad yeah, shit. Yeah. Like, don't tell me what to do, you know? Yeah. But then as I get older and more mature that it's like, Oh, if I just find something to be grateful for, yep. right? Like the smallest thing, it doesn't have to be like, Oh, I, I'm, I'm never really searching for things to be grateful for. I just pick them out. Right. Like, yep. like today I'm grateful that I got to, I got to spar with you and I'm grateful that I got to come up here and check out your gym. I'm grateful that we got to do the podcast. Right. Like absolutely, those are yeah. three great things to be grateful for. I'll go to bed tonight and that'll, I'll play those in my mind 
that way I can start my day on the right foot the next day. Yep. You know, so it's like just compounding those good days. Dude, it's is what's important. Cause it's if you huge. compound the bad yep. days, I know you've been there. Yep. You compound the bad days, dude, it is harder to dig yourself out of it. Yes. It's harder. So like nip yep. it in the butt right away. Sure. And don't let it compound. And then don't go seeking, don't go seeking for like validation from other things. Right. Like I don't ever let social media, right. I don't ever let it work me. Yeah. I work it. Right. Sure. I'm going to work the social media and use it for good. I'm never going to get caught up in like, Oh, sometimes I'll post a video and I'll be like, Oh, this thing's going to kill. And no, and nobody watches it. Sure. Whatever, you know, well, the move other, on to the next thing. Yeah. Social media too is, is interesting because you can, you can choose what, to a certain extent, at least the people that you follow, what type of information you're getting. And, you know, I, I, um, my wife and I were talking about this, this, uh, a while, a little while back was like, there's certain people you follow and they're putting out stuff that you don't want to see or that it's negative or whatever, whatever, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm just going to get rid of that. Yeah. And it's amazing sometimes what that can do. You're not even seeing it. So it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. It doesn't put you into this spot where, you know, so sometimes if somebody is even, they may not even know they're doing that to you. Right. But mm-hmm. they're putting something out, everything they put out, it's negative maybe. Right. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I'm just going to, I'm just going to click that little unfollow button and it goes away. It's that simple. Right? So it, it could be a lot more positive, positive, what you're seeing positive to your mood. Right. So like, like you said, it's not, it's not letting that dictate your happiness anyway. Right. And, and you know, that's, that's kind of a whole different thing with this world. And I think a lot of it has to do with the kids and they, they feed into that. Oh yeah. And are letting it dictate how happy they are potentially, you know, and it's like, oh, well, it's like I, their I currency. put out a picture. It's their pi- currency, like likes yeah. and f- likes and follows and views is yes. their currency. Yes. And it's like, guys, come on, this isn't even real. Yeah. It's all out there. And, it, and why, why does one video do better than another video or something. Who knows? It's, 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 a, yeah. it's all timed up in an algorithm and all this other shit. Like sure. who cares? Yeah. Yeah. I like, I understand like, yeah, some like right now. Yeah. I'm trying to build like my YouTube. I'm trying to build my podcast. I'm trying to build my social media following. Sure. I'm doing the hunting, the podcasting, the, the fitness stuff, the, you know, the football stuff. It's like all this stuff I'm trying to do, but it's like, I'm not going to put a lot of weight on what other people think right it's like yep. oh this one did well so i'll do something else like that totally right yep, yep. so like sometimes your ideas like that's where the fear of failure comes in right like yep. people are so especially kids these days they're so i remember being a teenager i was terrified of like going up and talking to like a girl was like the most terrifying oh, thing ever right well the, the, here's the thing it's <laughs> it back, like back, and, the and most terrifying thing you could do yeah well back when back when uh you know, when we had to do that, like if you were going to ask a girl to go to a dance with you or something, you had to physically walk up to her or, or if you could get her phone number, you'd call her, her parents' house or whatever. Yeah. And then have to speak to her dad and say, Hey, could I speak to your daughter? Yeah. Like, and then ask her that way. Right. That was the two ways that it happened. Yeah. It wasn't like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to look up your Instagram and send you a, a message and then I'm okay. Not hearing in your voice. Like I didn't have to say it. And then if you say no, it's not really like the same. It's not know? real. It didn't yeah. feel real. But right? that was, bro, that, for sure. That fear of rejection massive. is like so yes. massive. So yeah, you had yeah, to like, yeah. you had to like hype yourself up to Big like go time. ask a girl out or go ask a girl for a phone number. That, like, that hype was real. They don't yeah, do yeah. that anymore. <laughs> These kids don't do that anymore. It's, they don't. Yes. They have to, they like, they like stalk each other on social media and then they talk. They, it's all, it's all digital. And then 
then they get in person and they sit there on their phone the whole time. They don't even talk. It's like, not good. Yeah. It's weird, man. It's a weird dynamic that's going on here in our, in our, this new generation that I, I'm grateful that I didn't have a cell phone growing up. Like me, me too. So grateful yeah. for that yeah. because my wife and I talk about it all the time, man. Cause like, could you imagine being a teenager with social media and all this stuff? Like, Yep. Even like a cell phone camera if when I was a kid like would have been a problem. Terrible. You know? Yes, <laughs> it would have been terrible, man. It, it it just it's one of those things like okay, I probably don't have as many pictures, very many pictures cuz it was all on the the disposable cameras, right? Like you had to wind the thing and then yeah. take a picture and then go get it developed and all that. So it's it's definitely not not that way, but you learn how to communicate better and you had to deal with a lot more of those type of situations and actually learning to talk to somebody. Yeah. You know, now it's it's I'm, I'm actually kind of scared about that for, you know, my boys is like, how, how do you, you know, make that happen? But, you know, it, it's just, again, you can, you can make it happen, right? Like somebody new comes in the room. I make them go over, shake their hand, say hi, like interact that way, yep. right? Like that's what's going to be expected of them, you know, because that's what a man should do is you should walk in, shake somebody's hand, right? Like, it's just, like I, I just, some of these things can't be, you, you need to go through them to learn them. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and they're got to make yourself uncomfortable. Yes. And, and that's, like it's uncomfortable to go, it. to go, it's uncomfortable to walk up to somebody new and get to know them. And absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's like, even my daughter, like my daughter, right. She, you know, we moved to this new neighborhood and she was like, well, how am I going to make friends over here? I was like, go out and walk around the neighborhood and just make and, and, and see meet them. somebody. She's like, that's hi. weird. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? That's weird. She's like, yeah, people don't do that. And I'm like, when I was a kid, we used to just go ride our bikes around and you meet up, meet up yes. somewhere, like yes. knock on doors. Hey, can Johnny come out and play? That's it. That's uh, it. Uh, oh, no, he's not home. Okay. I'll go to the next house and I'll yeah. come back there in a few hours. And sure. Maybe he'll be there then, you know, <laughs> we'll see if he's home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. and that's how it was, you know, yeah. or you'd find a pickup game of, football or basketball that's going on you just kind of like insert yourself and yep. ask if you could play that's it but they don't do that anymore man like i don't yeah. see kids out doing anything anymore yeah it's i don't see them doing anything yes like, well it's because of they're in front of a screen somewhere non-stop screens video yep. games like i mean it, yeah I, there's like a positive and a negative to that right so there's like yeah these video games can create like a a little bit of a they get like their little social gathering by playing games with each other, sure. but there's like, you can do that. And then also you need to meet up outside of that. Yes. Like you yeah. can't just be consumed by that. No. And I think too many parents are lazy. Yes. Lazy ass parents that don't want to deal with their kids. Yep. So they stick an iPad in front of their kids whenever they're like, you know, two, three years old, just so they'll shut up and leave yep. them alone for a couple hours. Yep. And then next thing you know, your kid won't like literally will not communicate with you. Yes. At all. Like, I noticed the big difference with my daughter when I don't like, I don't let her see, use the iPad. Yeah. Like if she, cause I, I let her use the iPad for games and stuff like that. And, um, she has her little shows that she likes to watch, but it's all in like moderation because time. when yep. I pull that away from her and like no, no screens at dinner time, no screens at breakfast. Like when we're eating meals, we're, con we're having a conversation. Yeah. Like my four-year-old, right. If I want to have a conversation with her, like I have to really get her attention, you know? And like, really, like, I can't just be like, how was your day? Yes. Cause she'll be like, good. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, no, I got to get into detail with her. Right. Like yeah. I got to be like, what was your favorite part of your day? Yeah. What made you laugh today? What, um, what was the best thing you ate today? 
Yeah. You know, what, uh, who's, did anybody ask you about your clothes? Did anybody say anything about your dress? Cause she like loves putting dresses on and like, Love that's it. big to her, you know? So yeah. just engaging in that kind of conversation for 30 minutes, like her speech is getting better. Like everything gets better. It's honestly, that's so huge, man. And we're, we're the same way. Like we're in, and I, I don't like it at all. For a while, we tried to not even introduce it at all. Yeah. You know, and so it's kind of in moderation now and, and they understand that the boys understand that. And actually they're, what I will say is their behavior is better when they're not, when they don't watch it. Right. And I tell, I tell them, I want you to go when, well, now it's obviously winter or whatever, but when they can go out and get dirty, I just want you to go play and get dirty. Yeah. Get outside. Like just go build something, dig in the dirt, uh, use your hands, you know, play right now in the, in our playroom and build a track or do something like use your brain to be creative, not watch something in front of you. Mm-hmm. And they, they're, they're so much better when, when they do that or totally different. like, you know, it's, it's making time. And, and I think as parents, like, like you said, sometimes it can be overwhelming and I'm not saying that I don't ever get there or that my wife and I don't get there cause <laughs> you do, yeah. but Here's the, here's the question. I'm sure you get this from your daughter too. Hey dad, can you come for a car race? Right. Yeah. Can you and come it's play? like, I may be in something and I'm like, you know what? It's time for a car race. Right. Yep. Like I'm going to go do that because in 10 years, that's not going to, or even maybe even five years, that's not going to, that question's not even going to be real anymore. Exactly. Right? They're going like, to want you to leave them the hell alone. Yes. Right? Dad, get out of my business. Right. Yeah, so like I see, right it's now, funny cause yeah. I have a teenager and a so you get right? both ends of the spectrum. So I have a teenager yeah. who just wants to be left the hell alone. Yeah. And then I have a four-year-old who just wants to play all the time, right? Everything. Yeah. So she's just like, you know, when she when she does come to me and ask me to play, I try to make sure that like no matter unless it's something I absolutely has to wait, like, hey, give me five minutes and I'll be there. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I don't want her to feel like she's gonna look in a man when she looks for a, a man to be with, yep. she's gonna look for someone like me massively. That's what happens. So if I blow her off and tell her she's not important right now, she's going to feel like it's just going to be subconscious to her that she's not important enough and that she should wait. I don't want her to be that type of person. I want her to feel like, Hey, I'm trying to get your attention now. Yes. Right. Like now is the time to give me the attention that I need. Right. And it's, she doesn't even like, she wants to play tag. Yes. Right. So now we're running around a house playing tag or just yep. play hide and seek. So like that's, that's not difficult to do. Right. No. Like yep. it's not difficult. And I think too many parents get caught up in their phone. Yes. Right. Like a, a kid should not be competing against your phone yep. for your attention. Right. Like I, I think it's, I think you should, everybody should make a role when you get home. Right. And it's family time. Yep. Phones are out. Yes. Right. They're out of there. Get them out of there. They're not like, they're a non-factor. Like, for me, it's at five o'clock. Yep. Right. So from five, we're really about six o'clock when we sit down for dinner. Sure. I put my phone away and then I don't look at it again until it's after I get her to bed. So once she goes to bed now, now she's got like just like a good three, four hours of my full attention, you know, even in the morning, right? Like when we're having breakfast, like it would be easy for me to just set an iPad up, put some food in front of her, totally put the iPad on and not engage. Right. But that's not a good start to her day. Right. I want her to like get her mind going before she goes to school. That way she has a productive day at school. And I noticed like a big difference when I took that iPad away in the morning. See, that's all. See, the thing is I saw this thing the other day and it was the power, the power of a phone. Right. So like we're, you and I are having this conversation right now, obviously no phones are in, in, in view, but if I would have done something as simple as have my phone here, right. 
and obviously not during a podcast, but if we were just sitting at a table and talking, right? If that phone, I'm telling you by putting the phone right there that that's important and I'm not going to fully engage with you because the phone's there. So I might be looking oh, man, at that's it. That's a good point. Right? Yeah. So I'm I'm sending a signal to you. So if I go to dinner with my wife and I have the phone on the table, I'm telling my wife that that's, this is my where I'm at right here. Right? Yeah. I'm not going to engage with you 100% because in case that thing lights up, I'm looking right there. Yeah. Right? And it, it sends <laughs> a signal. Like, and this guy was up in front of an, an audience and he was going to talk and he said that. And he's like, I would, you know, I don't, you can't see my phone right now, but if I pick my phone up and I think he was in a chair or something. He's like, if I put my phone right here, all of you know that like I have my phone right there. And if somebody sends me a message or something, that's my, where my importance level is. So you're less important than this. Yeah. And I was like, Whoa, right. That makes a lot like, of sense. If I go to dinner and, and my wife and I will do this already because we don't get a lot of that time where it's just her and I that like we get it without the kids. Like that doesn't happen enough. I tried to, make it happen more because I think that's really important. But if we get that time, it's like, we just start, we started making a rule where it's like, look, if we go to dinner, the phone's not out. Right. It's either, either like it's somewhere. One of us has to have the phone because of the kids. Well, yeah, but that's not (laughs) on the table. Right. It's not out. It's not out. Right. It's in a pocket. It's in your bag, something. Yeah. When that guy said that, I was like, wow, that really makes a lot of sense to me. Like, because you're right. Like I've, I've noticed like with my daughter, if my phone is out, she'll grab it, right? Yeah. She'll grab it before she like engages with me sometimes. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, like, I wonder why she, yeah. Like just to get out of the way, you know? And I'm like, I wonder why she's doing that. It's because she feel like she, like, that's where I like, I don't, I didn't fail, but it's like where I learned that like, sure. Hey, she does feel like she has to compete against this phone sometimes. the The kids don't know what's on the phone. No. Right. So it's just no, like, this is important because mom or dad's looking at it. Yeah. And I'm right here, but you're looking at this. Yeah. And for us, it's, it might be, if you're doing that, it might be like, well, I'm just going to fin- finish this email or I'm just going to send a couple text messages or whatever. But to a kid, they don't understand that. Yeah. It's like, this is important and the importance level isn't being placed on me. And I like some of those things, man, it, it's, it's a refreshing thing to, or, I may be refreshing, eye-opening. It's eye-opening to hear that because it's like, well, you don't necessarily in the s- small bites of it, but like the control of it, like if you if you can't have your phone and leave it in another room, right? If you have to take your phone from room to room with you, you have a problem. I think so too, yeah. Right, like I really think that people don't realize how addicted they are to that. And if you can't, what you just said is so powerful, man. It's like, if you can't go home and it's family time, the phone now gets put down, screened down in a different room and you don't even have to have it near you. Yeah. It's no problem. I'm completely disconnected from that thing. Everything that matters is right here. Yes. It'd be present in the moment, right? Like if you could be present, your kids will remember that. Like your wife will remember that. And it's so easy with the phone to just be like, not quite present, but you say, Hey, I'm present. And I'm on my phone or I'm looking at it or pops up here. Like I'm not fully, I'm not in the moment, you yeah. know? And then it's then distracting too, gone. man. Cause yeah. like every time your phone, every alert, right? Every email, every, everything, every yeah. comment, every, all these things that are alerting you all the time, right? Like that's taking your attention off of like, what's really important. Big right? time. Big so time. like, I don't know, man, I, I just, I feel way better. That's why I love being in the back country hunting. Because my phone doesn't work at all. I have a a Garmin, and that's how, like, all I can do is get a text message. 
and it might not come through. Right. So it's like, that's awesome. That's how like, that is like a really good feeling. Like just three days, there's studies that show that just three days out there without any like electronics and stuff, you probably feel it refreshed. resets you for a whole year. That's great. And it's, I, yeah. I mean, that's, I find the most peace when I could do that. Right. Um, I can't wait till I could take my kids on that, on those kind of things because I would imagine right now she's too young to take her. And then my oldest is like, no, thanks. Sure. You know? And sure. I'm like, I get it. You don't want to do it. It's fine. But my, my youngest, I could tell that she's like into it. Like, she's like, I want to come with you, you know? And I'm like, she's like, can I come with you when you go hunting? And I'm like, not yet, babe. Like you're just not, it's not safe yet to take See, you out how there. How cool is that going to be? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't wait, you know, because yeah. then, then she can like, she can feel that too, you know, and I can kind of pass that on to her. Absolutely. So, so I think it's, um, I don't know. Do you bring your, your boys to the gym at all? Like ever? Oh, do you have a, 100%. Yeah. So I bet they like love being in there. Cause that's what dad does. He love it. You know? Yeah. But they go with my wife and then the, she has a little gym in the house and then, um, they'll come out and it's, it's fun. But again, it's that creativity that they can flow through. Yep. And just, they'll set up little obstacle courses or they'll do whatever. Yeah. And it's just fun, like, to sit back and just watch, right? It's not me saying, hey, guys, like, you have to train. Now, if they're going to lift something, I try to teach them how to do it a little bit right. better. And just so they're safe. But it's also just be boys being boys, right? Like, they're going to climb on stuff and they're going to make this this up in their head and it's like well i'll let that naturally just kind of happen yeah because i want them to do that man you want, want them to explore yeah. i think there's a lot of helicopter parents too that like don't want their kid to get hurt big time but you yeah. have to like let them make mistakes you know like yes uh like for example my da my daughter is out in the backyard we have this like you know jungle gym thing out there yep she climbs up and she goes dad watch this and i had a feeling that she was going to try to jump off of there yeah but instead of being like don't jump off of there i was like what are you doing? She was like, I'm going to jump. And I was like, it might hurt you. And she was like, all right. And she did it. Right. Yeah. She didn't get hurt, but it was like, it wasn't high enough. You know, obviously I'm not gonna let her jump off of something that I think she's obviously really gonna gonna hurt, hurt on. Right. Yeah. But a lot of parents, I think a lot of, even my wife would have probably been like, cause she looked at me like, are you nuts to let her jump off of there? And I'm like, I, I think she had to learn, you know what yes. I mean? Like she has to learn that that's hot. Don't touch or that's going to hurt. Don't do that. You know, it's yeah. like, they have to learn it, right? Because if they're constantly told, don't do this, don't do that, yep. don't touch that, don't don't run over there, don't yell, don't scream, don't cry, don't do that. You know, it's like sure. they're being told no all the time that they just like, now they're afraid to do anything. Well, you, ha you have to be willing to kind of back up and let them go through it too, yeah. right? Unless it's dangerous to the point they really could get hurt or they're in a dangerous situation. But I mean, think, think of like you're saying, go ride bikes, right? That was what we did. But you would build a bike jump was it safe? No, nope, no chance. Right. <laughs> but you're going off this jump and then you, you learn real quick, yeah. right? You fall down, your knees are bloody or your face gets, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like you, you go through it and you, you learn that that wasn't maybe the smartest thing to do, but Hey, whatever. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you have, some of that is where parents now, I think step in way too quick. Yeah. Right. Or they overreact. Like, you know, and, and, and your kid has, to, you have to go through some struggle. You have to learn like, Hey, this is good. This is bad. And I think that some of that struggle is a natural learning progression too. And I think you said it perfect. Cause I, I read this somewhere where your reaction to something is always with your kids, how, how you react is always going to like determine how they like feel about the situation. Right. Massive. Like, yes. Like, like if a kid falls and bumps his head, if you're like, Oh my God, like, they're going to like, they feel your energy. So yes. now they're like, ah, and they freak out. But if you just start laughing, yeah, like I do that with my daughter, like when she slips and falls or 
bumps her head or something, I just start laughing. And she probably reacts. And she just laughs too. She's like, oh, I've got a boo-boo. Like, oh, I'm bleeding a little (laughs) bit, you know, like, and she's laughing. But if I'm like, oh, are you okay? Like, and yet daughters are like, it's hard. It's really hard with, with a girl. Dude, I. Because I, every little thing, I feel like I have to like fix it, you know? Yep. But like, as I'm like learning that, like, if I just like let her figure it out and like laugh with her about it, she's fine. Right? Like, she's fine about yeah. it. It's not a but big she'll, deal. The thing is, she'll grow up to be a strong, independent woman, right, that can that can handle these yeah. things, right? And and that's going to that's gonna benefit her in so many different ways. Yeah. Like, when she gets older, right? Like, that's, and this is, this is the thing is, is, is there's this fine line, and I think that as a, a parent, you always want your kids to have it better than you had it and, mm-hmm. and like, this type of thing. But it's also... I know for me, man, I'm thankful for, for the struggles and some of the stuff that I went through because it it shaped me into who I am. Right. And, and there was, you know, I mean, there's, there's different things that, that I went through that I'm thankful for my dad. Like at the time I didn't really like it. Yes. Right. It did. But you know, he was hard. He was hard on, on me and my brother, whatever, like, but it was just something that like, I think he understood that. Like, I have to challenge you right now. So that you turn into a man. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and, you know, this is some of these things like as parents, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I got it all perfect. And no. there's days where there's days where I feel like I'm, I'm trying to figure it all out. And you know, my <laughs> wife is like, I'm talking to her and we're both looking at each other. Like, is this normal? <laughs> is this not normal? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's part of being a parent, but you care. And like, you try to make these things better for them, but also like, know when to pull back a little bit and not be so helicopter ish, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, it's dude, hard, man. Parenting is parenting and being a husband and yeah, all that stuff, the juggle and the balance that you have to pull the balancing act is yeah. like, it's really hard, man. It's, it's something that like I, I struggle with because I just like, I, I am a hyper-focused type of person. I'm sure you're the same way. Yeah. Cause, uh, all the great ones are. Yep. So you hyper-focus on something and then it's like, everything else is just like kind of noise. Yep. So it's like being able to like compartmentalize one thing, move on to the next and focus all my energy on that and then compartmentalize that, then move on to the next thing. It's like, cause being an athlete, a father and a husband are all three different things. Completely. Yep. Right. So it's like, like when people are like, Oh, I'm a family man. Well, are you a good husband and a good father or are you just good at one or the other? Cause it is hard to be both. It is. And it takes a lot of work because your wife has to get attention too, yep. right? So you have to, that's why I struggle with that. Like yep. I really do. And I like, I'll be honest, like, you know, my wife would be like, when's the last time you took me on a date? And I'm like, I, when she says that to me, I'm like, fuck, she's right. You know, yes. like it's been forever since we've actually gone on a date. Well, it's always, and, and I'm sure you would agree with this when you're trying to do all of the things that you're doing and that I'm doing whatever. And then you've got, you've got kids in the mix. Everything tends to come before your wife. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing. Like I, I hate that because if, if, if that relationship at the bottom of it's not good, nothing else is good. Nothing else is good. No. So you have to, fo- you have to be able to work on that and nurture that. And I think that it's, unfortunately it's the easiest thing to neglect at times. And, and identifying that is so big, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it's, I think that's also, you know, part of, part of the battle and, and, um, you know, I mean, just talking to you right now, like I can, I can clearly see how much all of it means to you. 
and it's neat, right? And I think that that for people listening to this, especially, you know, dads out there, um, you know, that can relate or moms or whatever, like it's just, it's just caring, right? Ultimately, it's just caring and trying to, trying to, you know, pass that on. But um, it's neat, man. It's neat to, to see like how involved you are and how much you care about it. Like it's fun. It's fun to talk about it and yeah. kind of like share, um, share a very similar type of mentality mm-hmm. towards it, you know? So, um, well, I, I appreciate your time, man. I feel like we could just keep, yeah, we could keep, we always could chat forever. Keep man. Rocking. We didn't even <laughs> get into any of the hunting stuff or any of the stuff you're doing, but what I would love for you to say is where can people find you okay. and follow you? Cause I know you're trying to get a lot of stuff going as well. Um, so I'd love to give a shout out on that stuff. I appreciate that. Yeah. So you, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, Derek Wolf underscore 95. Um, and then my YouTube channel, Wolf Untamed. Um, it's a lot of the stuff that we're doing is on there. My podcast is on there, the Wolf Untamed podcast. And then all of my hunting content goes on there as well. And, uh, that's just going to keep getting better and better. I'm going into my second season of doing that. So we're getting some really good stuff and partnering up and collaborating with some really cool people, uh, doing a lot of stuff with meat eater and Eastman's and, um, the born and raised guys. Like there's a lot of guys that I'm doing some cool stuff with. Um, and then, um, yeah, I would say just check out my YouTube channel, man. Like, and, and check it out and see what's, what's going on there and, and subscribe to that. Cause I'm trying to build that and leave some comments of what you'd like to see and what you do and don't like. And I, like, I love criticism. So I like love sure. to, to figure out what I'm doing there and um, yeah, check it out, man. And my podcast is, is awesome. Ours w- with me and you will be uh, dropping tomorrow actually so awesome man so i'll drop that tomorrow and then um i don't know when you're dropping this one so we'll try to yeah it'll get we'll a- try to make it we'll try to make it all make sense but yeah man check me out on youtube that's like to me that's where i'm really trying to to make a, a difference there is on youtube build it which up. is like it's just like a whole new thing for me so i'm trying to figure it out sure but, absolutely uh, you could find you know it, start on instagram the links will lead you to to everything else and love it and uh yeah man i appreciate you having me this is awesome no it's it's awesome uh and i feel like people can take a lot away from different parts of this and you know guys if you got something out of this or you enjoyed the conversation the best way to help out the podcast is to share it uh to different people so it can get out there because uh i would love for the message to get to more people ultimately and and that's you know what it's all about is is spreading that message positivity and everything that goes along with it so do that share it uh go give derek some love uh if you listen to this and and enjoyed his story which i'm sure a lot of you will so uh we're gonna leave it there cut it off yeah we could keep going for a long time man maybe we'll have to do a a part number two um with it but uh but anyway hope you all are doing amazing uh appreciate you guys love you guys for now going to be great and we'll check you guys later